0: Hello and welcome to the Coaches View podcast, a podcast hosted by professional coaches for those of you who love to look at the game in minute detail. It's good to be back, long time. My name's Harry Brooks, and I'm joined as I always am by Richard Webster. Hello, mate. Hi, mate. You good? I'm all good. I'm all good. We're into our. I've lost cat now. Is it our fourth lockdown? It feels about our twentieth.
1: <laughs> it feels like it's never ending, mate. But yes, yeah, so I think it's up never ending lockdown. Yeah.
0: So, so what better time to start the coaches view podcast back? Um, something we've been meaning to do for a while, but obviously life got in the way. But now I'm, I'm glad to be doing this again.
1: Yeah, definitely, mate. I think we'll keep it going this time as well. It's been such a uh, such an interesting season. There's just so much to talk about. Um, it, it felt like it was the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. As you said, there's ever going to be a time to bring this back. It's going to be this year, isn't it? It's just Absolutely. it's turning into such a bonkers year where literally anything is and can happen. Um, but well, we are a coaches uh, podcast and that's kind of what we're going to, well, with a long awaited return, as uh, our devout fans have been uh, saying, um, we are going to stick to a topic today that is all about coaching and we're going to pick one topic each that we as coaches have either liked or disliked um, about the season so far. Um, and I guess we might as well start straight into it, Rich.
1: Yeah, let's go for it, mate. I think it's been a great season, interesting season. And from a coach's point of view, there's actually been quite a few different um, different topics come up which would be really interesting to delve into.
0: Yeah, well, for me as a coach, the thing that I am most interested in, and I wouldn't say relieved, but i um, certainly delighted it's happened, is I think that this year we are... I mean, we spoke about on a previous podcast about how football goes in cycles. And I think we're starting to see the next cycle of football come along again, where you're seeing the introduction of the Maverick talents and coaches allowing individuals to express themselves, the talented individuals or the special players to go and express themselves on a pitch and play the game the way they see it. So already the first player that springs to mind, obviously is Jack Grealish. Um, there's other players, Tanky and at Tottenham. And you're seeing more and more of these plays that are starting to come to the fore. So that's what I want to talk about today because you know, football for me, the the dominant sides in recent years, or in the last decade or so, has been led by managers and coaches that like to take, like to take control of every action or as many actions as they can. They want players to perform specific actions, uh, stick to certain zones, rehearsed patterns, um, and like I said, take as much control as of of every situation as they can. And for me, it meant that you saw a lot of individuality. Um, not league football, but it certainly wasn't prominence, you know. And when I grew up, I remember watching, you know, players like Ronaldinho, Zidane, Ronaldo, players that played the game the way they saw it. And I think in the last decade or so, we missed a lot of that. And I think you're starting to see those plays become appreciated or relied upon a lot more. And I guess, what's your thoughts on that, Rich?
1: Yes, same for me, mate. I- I'm delighted to see the return. I- I- hopefully it will be a sea change. I don't know whether it's too early to call it a, a change or a new cycle, but what we're seeing with the resurgence of, of individual talents being allowed to flourish and maybe interpret the game in a different way is-, is definitely welcome in the game. I'm the same as you, mate. I grew up watching players uh, like Ruby Costa was always a hero of mine growing up and the different number 10s um, that were playing at the time and uh one thing that i always loved was their individual take on the game and and that little bit of style and that little bit of swagger and and you're right with the rise of athleticism in football and and then the rise of tactical um innovation and and uh you know this leaning towards uh, tactical discipline we have seen coaches want to take control of every aspect of the game which can uh, marginalise uh, unique talents but like you said there's been some really standout examples this season of guys who've been able to to show their unique talents and, and to be fair their coaches have allowed them to do that so that's been really exciting and I like the two examples you used as well mate um, two totally different players Grealish and uh, Ndombele and uh, but both of them having absolute stellar seasons
0: I think that's the thing for me. Those players, they never went away. They've always been here. It's, it's its a similar thing to when people say the number 10 has died. The the number 10 hasn't died. There are always going to be players like that. But I think, as you just said, you're seeing certain coaches um, rely on perhaps or certainly just give a platform for those players more so than perhaps in the last decade. So, you know, if you t- take Aston Villa, for example, now then this year they're certainly not a relegation side but they're certainly not one of the i mean they are playing like one of the bigger sides this year but they're not one of the elites certainly not now right now and i think for a lot of those sides you would see a lot of the managers over the years again they they wouldn't want to um, they wouldn't want to leave as much the chance because obviously the the risk of relegation or the risk of of losing games and listen giving grealish freedom that's not a risky thing to do. But by the same token, like we said, there has been a trend, certainly this last decade for me, where managers really at all levels, the highest levels, and as we just said, lower down, they're trying to take as much control as possible. Um, and I'm just, it's great to see that you are having a man- you're having managers like Dean Smith that's kind of going to Grealish and saying, listen, you go play football, you know what to do. Obviously, there's, it's more broad than that. There is structures within that and Grealish can't just go and do what he wants. But you can just see by the way Grealish is playing, that he's playing the game the way he sees it. And Aston Villa reaping the wards, um, said the other example, Tank and Dombly, Um, For me, playing slightly higher up than I would like him to. I prefer him as an eight. Um, but nevertheless, he's another player with different types of Grealish, but in that mould of quite a unique and creative talent. And he's been one of Spurs' better players this year. So it's great to see these managers loosening the reins a little bit and allowing these players to come to the fore once again.
1: Well, yeah, and especially, I think, in, in the case of Ndombele, if we look at that, there's a case to be made for Ndombele to be the the most improved player or certainly the biggest turnaround in the last, let's say, 12 mm. months. So, you know, he started well with Tottenham, faded, you know, would have to be safe, faded badly. Um, things weren't going his way. Uh, he found himself out of the team, found himself out of favour, all of those types of things. It looks like, you know, Mourinho, the, the manager who... who perhaps gets tagged the most with defensive coach um, Monica, which lots of people call him. And, and he's a pragmatist and it's just all about winning and those types of things. And yeah, it is all about winning for him. It is all about competing. But he's recognized and much to his credit that he's got someone within his ranks that's uh, going to help him to win through his um, creativity and through the way that he sees the the game, which is unique uh, to, to everyone else in the, in the team. So it's great to see a player like that thriving and not just thriving, but also the comeback, as it were, because now you're really seeing the value of a player like Ndombele. Same goes for Grealish. Talking about turnarounds, you said it yourself last season, Aston Villa stayed up by the skin of their teeth. I remember everyone was contemplating whether Aston Villa, when they went down, because that was the talk at the time, where would Grealish end up? Which club would he join? Turns out they stayed up. And he's happy to stay put, thank you very much, because they're they're, um, they're putting a real yeah. um, spanner in the works for some of the bigger boys. And he's absolutely thriving doing it. Um, whether it's a little why, bit of the why, coaches... Yeah. Sorry, go on.
0: Noel, I was going to ask, why do you think that we are seeing more of a return of these pace? Do you think it's because you're seeing a lot of, you know, tactical elements that are starting to cancel each other out? So now you're having to, for example, you know, there are so many analysts in the game now. So much research is done into the opponent you're playing and, and how to counteract their strengths and how to sort of, you know, take advantage of their weaknesses. So you would see a lot of games where managers would sort of counteract each other in terms of their tactics. They'd ha- and for me, a lot of the time, I guess that the only reason to sort of, to beat that is to have unpredictability and to have the unpredictability, you need a player that can be unpredictable. So I would probably say that's the biggest reason, in my opinion, why you're seeing more of these players come to the fore again is because those tactical elements where coaches were able to plan for, well, as you saw them counteract each other, well, okay, how do we get? How do we now expose that team that's set up perfectly against us? How are we going to expose that? And we need the Maverick talent to go and pull something out of the bag and, and do something special. Would you say that's one of the main reasons why we're seeing these talents come to the fore again?
1: Yeah, i would have to agree with that i think there's always a battle especially at this level of the game the top level of the game not a battle as such but there's a balance going on between the traditional coaching style and the eye test as we call it you know so you know not not based on numbers on what can be quantified and then that is is constantly in in like a yin and yang and give and go between the analyst side where everything can be boiled down to a number um and that obviously has its place in the game and that those departments in football have, have risen in number they've risen in importance they've risen in influence in the teams in the squads and everything like that um but i think if we if we rely too much on numbers and and data and you know uh, yards run expected goals all of this you know chance creation like we do end up cancelling each other out and then how are you going to unlock the how, how are you going to unlock the door you know who holds the key it's going to be the maverick player um, yeah. And, yeah, we, we did speak about this last last uh, season, I think, where we were talking about potentially there would be specialists coming into the game. I was mentioning Mares as a particular um, example. He's not had the, the most wonderful season yet, but we all know he's a top talent. Um, and how he was used sometimes by Pep in that very role. Because if there's one team that can become too predictable and too... Um, Reliant upon the formula, it's probably Manchester City. Um, yeah, it just so happens they also have two or three of those geniuses that they can sprinkle on top to um to unlock the door whenever it's needed. So, yeah, I I, I agree with that, mate. I think that's what we're seeing.
0: Well, that's been a big problem for Arsenal this year, hasn't it? Because it for me, Arsenal's problem looked like they were trying to score again. Arteta, uh, he's a disciple of Pep in terms of coaching, um, and it just looked like they were trying to score the perfect training ground goal. The only way they were going to score is through a rehearsed pattern that they worked on on the training ground, um, which is a lot of the time unrealistic because you know players have to be able to adapt it and they just weren't able to. But the last few weeks...
1: The plus side for Arsenal is that you, you have those talents there. So if they can get the balance right, like we were, we were speaking about, it's one thing... If you're trying to score this goal and you're not capable of doing it and you're not capable you don't have you don't have the talents you don't have the the tools at your disposal. sorry at your disposal to unlock the door but they do have that what they don't have is enough of the structure to allow those talents to perform so that's why you're seeing players like Saka um on the one hand uh be this unbelievable creative talent who's probably their best player player of the season so far maybe t needs a shout for for that as well, Um uh but he's having to place, or he was having to play so many different roles uh on the pitch because they lack um a nailed on identity. They lack sort of leaders in certain positions. Once they get those, saddens me to say as a Spurs fan, once they get those particular things tied down, as in t now, that's their left back, right? Once they get certain positions Uh, Tied down, centre midfield is obviously a very, very big one for them. Centre back, they need improvement as well. Once they've got those, now what you'll see is the likes of Saka really flourish. Smith-Rowe really flourish, where they're able to do what Grealish and Ndombele is doing now, which is have the freedom to go and um, show your talents in the attacking third. So, yeah, Arsenal fans shouldn't be too disappointed because... The the talent's there, it's just the structure. They just need to tweak a few things.
0: Well, I was going to say that, you know, the last three games, which they've won, I mean, granted, they haven't played the most informed teams in the league, but it does, for me, look like in the last three games. Rather than, you know, Arteta looking like he's trying to take control of every situation, score a specific goal, it looks like they're playing with a bit more freedom. It looks like he's uh, loosened the reins a little bit. And, you know, Smith-Rowe comes in, all of a sudden there's someone there that's getting the ball... Passing and moving immediately, opening the game up, bit of freedom. Now you're seeing them cut open teams, um, because you have that person connecting, that's getting it and playing it forward early. One-twos, two's given goes, and just a bit more freedom. And it looks like the players, just it looks like a, the last few games. Lots for me, it looks like the players have a weight that's been taken off their shoulders. That just they just feel a bit more free. And maybe you are seeing a changing cycle. Maybe those managers and coaches that do try to take a stranglehold of every situation, get the players to perform almost as robots, aren't going to be as successful. And, you know, we, we train professional and academy players all the time. And um, obviously not in down we're behaving ourselves, but uh, we train those players, you know, obviously for, for our career. And um, that, that that style of football where managers can be so obsessive over every detail and every action and telling you where to be and those consistent rehearsed training patterns that can also be very boring for footballers. They can be very frustrated with that. Footballers' talents, they can want to be, want to have a bit of freedom. They want to be able to express themselves. And, you know, that's that's perhaps why you're maybe even seeing, I mean, it's changed in recent games, but that's perhaps why you're seeing Man City struggle this year because maybe the players are just sick of being obsessively told what to do and where to be all the time. You know, footballers, that was a problem with Mirceau Sarri at Chelsea. Players found it very but dull and boring having to do the same pattern and routine again and again and again, told what to do, where to be, and perhaps you are seeing those cycles of football where managers try to take control of every situation, not start to fail, but certainly not to be as prominent as as they were before. And you're seeing teams like Aston Villa that you know the, the relationship that Grealish and Barkley had before Barkley was injured was was a real flourishing um, a real flourishing relationship. Sorry, where they both thought they had freedom to move and express themselves and. Like we just said, and Domboli, Kane dropping in, Sun running in behind at Spurs. Man United, they don't have specific set patterns of play, but they have been carving teams open recently with Fernandes and Cavani making runs. I know he hasn't started many games, and Rashford, et cetera, and lots of one-touch combination football. And Liverpool this year versus Spurs. I remember one game in particular versus Spurs. Yes, they're not the same Liverpool as last year, but... They, those players have freedom to move, freedom to express themselves. You know, obviously, all within a certain structure. You can't just allow players to go and do what they want, but you are seeing the more successful teams now. For me, and the more performing players are the ones that are starting to show their personality even more so. You know, um, and it's great to see.
1: It's such a fine line. You mentioned Manchester United. Now. I agree with you hundred percent there, mate. I think I watched a game recently against they played Aston Villa and um they won that game and they were they were superb they were absolutely superb in that game and they played with pogba and fernandez in the midfield and um it it worked it it, you know but we've seen that very much not work as well um so that same combination so it is there's so many nuances and things that go into it. it is fine lines pogba on that day played slightly further forward than he had done in previous games um hence he didn't give the ball away quite as often and you still had the stability of if i'm not
0: mistaken McTominay and Fred played behind them if i'm not mistaken in that game so you had that yeah, kind I of structure Fred there as well
1: and McTominay came on later but but what happened was Pogba was allowed to play a little bit further forward so yeah. you got the best bits in terms of the the creativity and the maverick and seeing passes that others don't see and having this this different interpretation of the game which is what we all want which is what we're all excited by um but then you didn't Or you did still have the downside, of course he's giving the ball away. That's part of the, you know, that's the risk and reward of of a player like Pogba. It's the same as Fernandes. It's the same as Messi. I was watching a little bit earlier tonight. Um, Barcelona won 3-2. He scored Mm -hmm. two, made one. And he gave away the ball for one of the goals as well. This is the risk and reward of these, um, the top players. But on that particular occasion, Pogba was far enough forward that when he did give the ball away which is going to happen from time to time, it didn't immediately hurt the team. Um, So this was the fine balance. Now you're able to see uh, the positivity, the skills, uh, the Maverick style, the vision come out, and the focus is not on the fact that he gave the ball away. Of course he gave the ball away. It just didn't result in a goal. So the narrative's different. Part of the reason, possibly, that we're seeing this happen is that we've got such a tight uh, league this year that nobody's hmm. nobody's gone and run away with it. So, yeah, what I'm saying is, in the last few years, you know, Liverpool trampled everyone last year. So there was no title race, um, and in the in the preceding seasons before that, there was either a very close two team race or Manchester City ran away with it. Yeah, um, when that happens, um, it's difficult then because the pressure is such. That let's say you are Manchester United or you're Chelsea, and you know it becomes apparent very early on that you're not going to have the consistency of Liverpool or Manchester City, so your title shot is over. Um, you know you've got to make third or you've got to make fourth. Can you then have a maverick talent doing his thing um, when the team next door to you basically wins seven games out of eight? You know, whereas in this season, every, as we've seen, everyone's beaten everyone. We've seen some mm. really, you know, surprising results, shocking results. Look at Villa, um, what they did to Liverpool. That probably stands out as the shocking result of the season so far. So in this context, in this season, perhaps we're seeing more more players have a platform to take a chance. Because, you know, you not winning the odd game here and there, it's not costing you quite as much.
0: Yeah for me it's great to see um I, I think also recently there's there's really come to the fore in terms of uh, keyboard analysts that's, that sort of seem to have this opinion that football has to be played in a certain way And i guess it's because they've they've grown up with you know the likes of guardiola etc and it's you know the, the, they can analyze every move and and see the reason behind it and for me i've noticed how people seem to think that you can't win titles or be successful unless you are a team like that unless you are a team that takes control of every situation and has Completely rehearsed structures and patterns, and and for me that's not true. There are many ways to win a game of football. There's many ways to win a league. What reason? What? Why can't you win the league? And you know when 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 it does go wrong, because you know every every system. There's no perfect system, and much in the same way how a very strict structured system will have its flaws and and positives if done correctly. A system where you are perhaps giving players a bit more freedom within a structure will also have its flaws. And those flaws might be if the players aren't quite in tune that day, it can look like you have no idea. And it's very easy for people online to go and jump on the manager or jump on the situation and he hasn't got a clue. Look, there's there's no coaching involved. He's just going out and telling players, go and do what you want. And it's never, ever that extreme. Of course, there's structure in every team. Um, But it's very easy to jump on top of or jump down the throat of those managers and teams when... Games don't quite work out because it does look like they haven't really got an idea because you're giving players freedom and they're just not quite in tune that day. Um, that can happen. There's negatives and positives to every setup, but my, I guess my my argument here is that of course you can be successful by giving players a bit of freedom. Um, no one says you have to win a game of football or win a league title by, you know, by being a Guardiola at Man City or or you know, there's there's plenty of other managers that are, are, that do are their way.
1: That's one of my pet hates. Is this is this talk yeah. about and it's such lazy talk. Oh, th- So-and-so, um, his teams play football the right way. And I'm like, what is mm. the, please, someone explain to me what is the right way to play football. Because I you know, yeah. certainly know why I watch football. I mean, like, you know, I watched uh, Atletico Madrid when they knocked Liverpool out of the, um, out of the Champions League. And that, that was one of the best uh, games that I'd seen in a long time and you had one team which was defensively so solid so structured so disciplined in atletico and they soaked up everything in liverpool and liverpool played superb and they were i think they'd gone 2-0 up and they really they should have they really should have been out of sight liverpool were absolutely yeah. superb it was two superb football teams both playing the game in their image in a different way now you can't tell me one way is the right way to play football um, and we've seen it a million times, you know. Play, uh, managers like Sean Dyche get criticised, or uh, wh- whoever it might be, get criticised. And you think, well, okay, but he's kept his team up, or this is how this is how he believes he can win football matches with the players that he has at his disposal. There's there's a lot more yeah. to to enjoy about football than a flowing 25 yard passing move that ends with the ball being walked into the net. Um, it doesn't always yeah. have to be that way. I remember watching Wimbledon. Wimbledon were fantastic to watch in the Premier League. Everyone knew what they were going to do. They were going to go long. They were going to go hard. You knew you were in a game. It was very old-fashioned in terms of, you know, hit them early, not let them know you're in a game, um, up and at them kind of attitude. It was great fun, brilliant to watch, and had a lot of success yeah. doing it. So, yeah, I think that's one thing that's changed about um, about football is everyone's everyone's analysing now. Everyone's an analyst. Everyone's a pundit. And um, also amongst fans, there's this expectation that or there's this thought that um, success means winning trophies. And that's another thing I don't quite understand. I don't I don't I don't understand that doesn't compete with me. So, you know, there's only a few trophies up for grabs. And, you know, there's an absolute bunch of professional football teams. So, you know, surely I hope most people aren't watching football. Uh, just for the, the the end of season, you know, trophy that they're hoping to lift at the end of it. There's got to be more to it than that, and I would have thought one of the things that's more to it than that is the the different styles, the different nuances, and the different um, flavors that come with uh, with different approaches and maverick players like you're talking about.
0: Now you're talking like a butler mate. Typical bottler. <laughs> <laughs> No Now, of course, completely agree. I agree with you completely, mate. Ball isn't just about trophies; it's about so many different things. And as you said, there's only so many trophies available. Um, you can't all win all of them. So does that mean you don't appreciate the other successes in football? Um, someone said earlier, you know, does does Jose Mourinho winning the League Cup um, now puts him as more of a success than Pochettino? And it's like, no, you can't quantify football no, that way because Pochettino gave time, Spurs yeah. other different, very different types of success that will live with fans and players forever. So no, I agree completely. Um, but yeah, that's that's my coach's point or coach's topic that I've loved this year um, or the start of the season. But I know you obviously have one. So, um, so what's your topic as a coach that you've liked about this season?
1: Yeah. So, um, well, a couple of things really. But one, one, uh, I'm looking down the league, and I was, I was really excited at the start of the season, and I'm really glad that it's worked out this way because when I look at the league, I, I think we've got one of the strongest uh, lineups. Of coaches or definitely one of the most interesting lineups of coaches that we've had in a long time in the Premier League um, and I think it's been really exciting to look at the battles and um, the different interpretations of the game and the different tactical battles that are going on between those top coaches so you know if we just if you go through some of the names you've got Klopp obviously you've got Pep Guardiola well he's obviously you know, being uh, attributed with changing the game. And he did change the game with the the way that he had that Barcelona team playing and what he's done since with Bayern Munich and Man City. He's got to be given his props for that. Um, Angelotti, you know, doing big things at Everton. I think it's brilliant to see their resurgence. This is a top line manager. Um, obviously, Jose Mourinho. Uh, people were talking about him being um, washed up. You know, he's old news, football's moved on, all of this kind of nonsense. Um, and then two weeks ago, they're talking about us being in a title challenge. So you know, yes, yeah. you know, square that circle, if you will, but yeah. the, the, and the list goes on and then probably the one I was most excited about uh, welcoming into the league and he hasn't let us down is um, Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds United. Yeah. I think the, the Leeds United team as a whole has been absolutely brilliant to watch. Um, yeah not because they play football the right way <laughs> but yeah. because because they play football their way and i think yeah. i think bielsa is um the epitome of what i'm trying to talk about there in terms of it, it's not about winning the league it's about yeah sort of guts and glory it's about playing football as you want to play football and the excitement of that 90 minutes um, and I think they've been brilliant the way they've come up and they've played exactly how we wanted them to. They haven't changed. Yep. They're going to try and blast their way through every team and try and stay up doing that. Um, and so far, good luck to them. It's working and they're probably actually overachieving a little bit. So, yeah. and, and that's not, you know, that's not the end of the list. If we, if we look at Brendan Rodgers doing an absolutely brilliant job at Leicester um you know there's there's been a lot of being critical of Brendan Rodgers in the past uh David Moyes coming back and again another one who took absolute tons of criticism for his time at Manchester United uh look look how well he's doing now with West Ham uh, a real resurgence there yeah uh Hassan Houtel who we saw uh topple Liverpool uh, the other day well deserved well deserved victory yeah so uh, Manchester did they not lose nine was it nine one or nine nil um very very recently Something like that. Yeah, well, that, yeah yeah so a huge Last turnaround season, yeah. and then you know a couple of other honorable mentions i'd have to i'd have to give props to to hodgson you know how much i rate hodgson mate yeah, yeah me as well yeah who doesn't get who doesn't get the the credit he deserves doesn't get the praise and um nuno wolves just a ridiculous yeah. level of consistency uh perhaps not hitting the heights that they were but they've just lost him in us um, mm. But yeah, I think the lineup this season in terms of the names that we have and in terms of the different approaches and styles is one of the reasons we've got such an exciting season, which we just yeah. can't predict.
0: I agree completely. The, the different styles, the the calibre of managers in the Premier League is outstanding. Um, and for me, narrative is a very, very strong thing in football and it really shouldn't be. And that's why you see a lot of managers get a real disservice when they really shouldn't get a disservice. And if we go back to the Leeds-Bielsa situation, for me, it's it's two extremes, one way or the other. People are either completely praising a performance where they're getting battered losing 4-0, or they're going the other way around and then saying, look at them, they can't play that way in this league. And it's because they, they play such a style that it's all end of who series is always going to evoke opinions and uh, very strong opinions one way or the other. But for me, they should be judged on the exact same merits as the two other clubs that got promoted, which is West Brom and um, Fulham. And Leeds' remit, just like those two clubs and other clubs in the league, this season is to stay in the division. Now, if they stay in their division, in the division, and they do it their way, then it was the correct way. Even if it means there are some games they get battered 5-0, or some games they win 5-0. Their way, if it gets overall success, then it's the correct way, the right way, and it's good football. If they go down, and if it doesn't work, then you would probably have to say it was the wrong way. But as you said, they've done it their way, and they believe in their way, which is fine. Um, And people seem to be like extremes one way or the other, saying, oh, look, they can't play this way in this league. They've just got battered 5-0. Well, no, the overall picture is if Leeds stay in the division, then they can play this way and it was successful and they should be judged on the exact same merits as other clubs. And like, uh, you know, narrative is a big thing. So the narrative surrounding David Moyes for me is ridiculous. He's proven time and time again for a long, long time. You know, David Moyes was a manager in the Premier League when, as far as I can remember, with Everton and has proven countless times what a fantastic coach he is. He should be judged on the same narrative as others, you know. His job is to... OK, maybe West Ham fans want to do more than just stay in the league. But at the moment, the way the structure of the club is, they're not really—they're not a club that's ready to be pushing for Europa. And yet, he is someone that is getting them very possibly into the top 10. And he's doing a fantastic job. But the narrative around David Moyes is that he's a dinosaur. He's outdated. He plays a style of football that's the, the wrong way to play. As you said, it's a lot of nonsense. A manager should be judged on the success they have. Uh, and not some narrative about is it the right way or is it the wrong way. It's are they successful or are they building towards something successful um, with time? And as you said, the calibre of managers in this league, for me, is as good as it's ever been.
1: Yeah, and I love the contrasting styles as well. Mate. I, 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 yeah. I love your point about Bielsa there because there has been a, a few of these um, points made. Oh, they, they're naive. I love this word. People say they're naive. If anyone thinks Bielsa is naive, Um, then they're really watching the wrong sport so this is a man who's been in the the game his entire life Um, some of the top managers in the world cite him as being a massive reference point and a massive influence on their game the man knows exactly what he's doing Um, he's honed this style uh, over many years and he's had a lot of success but it's exactly the same principle we were talking about earlier with individual players It, it, it carries on with the team so you know there's a risk and reward to pogba um there's a risk and reward to mdombele in the same way there's a risk and reward to raheem sterling so raheem sterling one-on-one with a goalkeeper probably not it's probably i i would i'd say 50 50. you know uh if sonny's one-on-one with a goalkeeper it's probably a goal it's getting slotted in however there are certain things that sterling does well the sun doesn't and there's your risk reward Um, same for Ndombele will Ndombele see the pass that someone else doesn't absolutely will he perhaps track his runner all of the time absolutely not is he as secure in possession as he should be nope sometimes he's going to give the ball away this is the risk and reward Bielsa's team is that just you know in, in team form there are going to be games where you get battered because it doesn't fall your way the ball won't go in your players don't take their chances or the opposition's got your number on that day whatever it might be but then he's he's betting that his system wins enough games uh yeah. to stay up now you know do you have to stay up losing 1-0 and winning 1-0 or can you stay up winning 4-0 losing 4-0 it doesn't really matter as long as yeah. you collect enough points to stay up um so yeah that the tag of naive is bonkers don't like it at all um, and yeah. all of these managers, as we know, they're all they're all basically dependent on a couple of key elements working or not working. So mm. you know, um, Nuno at Wolves has done fantastic. However, what would be really interesting now is to see okay, what happens next. Now Jimenez is out, and now Adama Traore is having a little dip in form. He's not um, he's not performing at the same levels as he was last year, where he was fantastic um are they going to be able to keep this going because that's two of their top performers who you know one through injury one through loss of form are not doing what they were doing last season um yeah so managers for whatever you know whatever system they play they are also dependent on their top players hitting form you know if if kane and son all of a sudden uh pick up injuries or suspensions or whatever it's a very different outlook for tottenham yeah, um, of course. Yeah, the variety this season in the league is fantastic.
0: Yeah. But what I will say is I, I don't want to come across as a hypocrite because, you know, I guess for me I do I do believe that, you know, you may perhaps should adapt to who you're up against rather than just stick stringently to what you do. But then again, I do see the argument of sticking to what you do as long as you've you get overall success. You know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I remember criticising Atlanta early on in the season. Um for their performance versus Liverpool, I think Atlanta at home. And I just thought, you know, I, just, I was saying, have you never seen this Liverpool side play? I mean, you're just, you're just, you know, you're going to lose. You're going toe to toe. You're trying to play this way. You know, it's just, it's just exactly what Liverpool want you to do. So you you might as well just hand in the result. Um, and you could say that Leeds perhaps done the same kind of thing. We know that you've seen what Kane and Son do this year. Are you really going to go man-to-man against them two when you just know what's going to happen? And of course, rather predictably, Kane drops in again. Leeds go man-to-man. Son takes advantage of the spacing behind and it's and it's a goal. Um, so it's a very, very tough one. I guess I guess our message, I, I guess everyone has different viewpoints, and as long as you're successful overall, I guess you can call it a success. For me, I do believe that you should perhaps adapt you know, it doesn't have to be major adaptation, but, you know, players should be good enough and managers are good enough to tweak certain things. And I just think that if you do go into every game, let's say you do go into games against, you know, let's say Spurs, you're thinking, okay, right, well, we know what we want to do today. Also, well, we know what we, how we play um, and we know it's given us success, but we also know what Kane and Son can do. Let's maybe not go man to man today. But then again, it is very, very difficult to adapt a style that you've been working on for so long and has been bled into your players. So perhaps actually it would be more naive to change what you do. Um, so it's a very, very tough one. I guess there's no right answer. And the only way to to sort of decipher if it's successful is the overall picture. And in Leeds' situation, did they stay up? In West Ham's situation, did they, did they finish around mid-table? In Spurs' situation, did they get top four? Liverpool City, did they at least... Go toe to toe to win the league, etc. So, for me, I guess the bigger picture is the most important thing, and I think we're both in agreement that the narratives that you hear in football are just—they're very, very frustrating. And I can only imagine what managers like Moyes. Well, I guess they are they they are too smart to get sucked into it, but it must be very frustrating as well. I, I would say.
1: Yeah, super frustrating. But what, what I'm enjoying this season is, is, as well is the the, the unpredictability that's been brought. Um... By those things we're talking about, by the fact that there's all these different styles, and and it really does seem like there's a, a season where anyone can beat anyone, and and you were saying yourself, like you know there's there's um, there's no one way of doing it, and okay, should a team stick to their style or should they adapt or whatever, but you know let let's say, let's say Liverpool um go on and win the league, and that's not you know that's that's obviously feasible, um they just slipped up recently against Southampton, but you know, by all in- they're the champions and, you know, they're certainly one of the best two teams in the league, Um, you know, but they've, they've been back at seven two this season. And there's nothing to suggest that that, you know, that could happen again and they still win the league. Um yeah. You know, there's an argument to be made for um uh, Manchester United. So Spurs played them off the park six one. Um They could still finish well above Tottenham. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different things that go into this. I agree with what you're saying. Um, I, I do like a, um, a manager that adapts. I don't think it's a tough one. Look, sometimes you do have to back yourself and say, look, we're going to worry about what we do. Yeah. And let the other team do that. In the example of Leeds, I would say because their remit is probably just to stay up. Well, it definitely is just to stay up. Um, then I probably would go with the approach of um, playing your way every game. Um yeah. and then reassessing next season. Yeah, i I'd agree with that. I'd agree with if that. If I'm if I'm Atalanta, um, you know, this is a team that's equipped and, you know, could could go and do things in the Champions League, perhaps not win it, but certainly go deep, or could have. Um, yeah, I was a bit bewildered by that game as well, where um, you know, you, you had the tools at your disposal to play a slightly different way and chose not to. Which was one of my criticisms actually of Arsenal over the last few years. Um mm. I don't know whether they're going to change it. Where no matter what their lineup was, they still insisted on going toe to toe against the likes of Liverpool and um, Manchester City. And it just doesn't work <laughs> unless you've got the tools yeah. to do it. But yeah, it, I guess it depends on the remit. But look, overall, I think it's going to be exciting to see these managers, you know, continuing to go head to head with each other, uh, bringing out different styles, bringing out different approaches. And. And make it one of the most unpredictable seasons yet, because of, of all those teams there, you know, there's a, there's a case to be made for you know a good four or five of these guys, uh, possibly challenging for the title.
0: Uh, indeed, indeed, indeed. We don't want to go on too long because we understand that in lockdown, uh, our listeners, uh, for however many they are, probably two of them right now, um, have <laughs> <laughs> probably got about a million podcasts they want to get through. So we don't want this to be too long of an episode. We want to. We're, we're glad to be doing this again, but just to wrap it up, um, it's probably good to just have a few predictions. I think I know it's not very professional as coaches. It's quite. A, it's quite a sensationalist to do this, but let's have a few predictions. So. I'm gonna ask three predictions, Richard. Um I'm gonna say I'm gonna ask now who's gonna be your players player no sorry, your player of the season. Who are your three to go down and who are you who do you think will win the league? We'll start with play. Who's gonna be your player? Who's gonna be the player of the
1: season? Play oh, player of the season. Well what I'm really liking about this, I have to say, is the variety of names that are yeah. already having top seasons. So I don't necessarily think all of these guys will, you know, be in the challenging, but we have to give special mentions to uh, Bamford, Patrick Bamford at Leeds. I know you're a massive fan of his, mate. I am. Um, I like and him. That he's doing. Nobody would have had him down as a as a as a top performer. calvert Lewin, um, yeah. goals have dried up a little bit, mate, but you know still really kicked on this season. Um, Saka, I'm a massive fan of yeah. Saka at Arsenal. Big fan, and in fact, he's he's well. I mean, I would have thought he's almost a shoe in for Young Player of the Season mm. um, if he carries on going. And Dombolet Spurs uh, with his turnarounds. I've got to mention Hoiberg, not wanting to be too Spurs heavy. uh, But I've got to mention him, mate, because he's changed that team. Grealish. Um, Look, a lot's going to depend on the second half of the season. So far, I'd have to go... I'm going with Grealish so far so yeah. far from yeah, okay. from, from being almost relegated last season to basically, you know, he walks into the England team now and is one of the top performers in the league. I think he's he's been absolutely brilliant. And I hope it's going to continue.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'd love, I would, it'd be great to see Grealish win it, but I, I think there's actually a possibility, a good possibility that Kane gets the 20 goal and 20 assist in the league. Uh, Mark, which has, not which Thierry and is the only one, only other player that's ever done that in the Premier League, which is just, it's outrageous. And Kane has been so good this year. I mean, yeah. the levels are just outrageous. And as good as Grealish has been, um, I think there's also maybe a bit of bias because he plays, he's kind of fitting into what I love to see as well. But in terms of what Kane is doing and the numbers and the performances, uh, If Kane continues what he's been doing, I can't like past him in terms of player of the season for me. I think especially if if Spurs do well. If Spurs do well. Yeah. Yeah. If it depends how
1: far they it depends how close they get to the title or or how far away or whatever. Obviously if they challenge for the title and he gets twenty and twenty, then yes. Um if you know if Spurs finish fifth um and he gets to twenty twenty, then I I probably say no you know, yeah. um, even if Villa only finish seventh or eighth or whatever it might be, um, I, I still think then you give it to Grealish. But a lot of it's going to depend on, on obviously, who becomes the champion. And there's some big players. Who, there's a lot of games left for big players to um, really put their foot down and st- stake their claim. We haven't seen much of De Bruyne yet, for example. Um, and we know he's more than capable. Fernandez, you know, I mean, he's he's still scoring and assisting at a hell of a rate. Um and they're they're right up there now so there's a there's a shout for him. But I'm just excited by the new names that are or the unusual names that are in the running. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love I'd love it to no, be a strange well, sh- yeah.
0: sorry. No, me as well, I agree completely. It's great to see all these not surprising names, but uh you know, just these players, as you said, come to the fore. It's great.
1: Yeah, not the usual, not the same old names. You know, it's, it's De Bruyne, it's Salah, it's Kane. You know, this season we're talking about Bamford, Saka, um, and Dombalay, Grealish. It's great. It's exciting. What was the next question,
0: mate? Yeah. Right? Three to go down. Um, I'm, I'll go first. Um, I hate to say it. I, I'm a massive fan of his, but Sheffield United, they're just too far cut adrift now and they just, they just can't buy a point. It seems they're alone to win. Um, so they're, they're, they're goners. Um, I think West Brom, just not good enough, I'm afraid. Big Sam won't be able to save them. And I'm going to go for Brighton. Um, it's pretty underground product. It looks nice, but they're not killers in either box and that's going to be their downfall. So unless they can sign a striker that scores consistent goals and they um, begin to love defending, um, it might look great in the middle third, but in terms of the defensive and the final third, it's not great at all. You can talk about the XG, you can talk about the numbers, you can talk about the unluck, uh, how unlucky they've been back at the end of the day. I don't really believe in luck. I believe there's a reason why the best teams have the most luck and a reason why the worst teams have the worst luck. Um, And they're just not killers. In either box, so for me, those would be the three that go down.
1: I actually think it's going to stay as it is, mate. I think you know, Sheffield United, uh, West Brom, and Fulham. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I can't see a way back for West Brom. Um, Out of those three, actually, um, Sheffield United are actually the best team out of the three, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a real shame. Everything's Um, gone wrong for them this year. It's just, it's just not just. I've watched a bunch of their games and they've just lost games, and you think that you know they could have, they could have got a point there. That's like. That's not yeah. a game they they deserve to lose, or you know three points on some occasions, and it's just nothing has gone their way. But having said that, like it's the same thing you, like you said about Brighton. There is a reason they're down there. They don't score goals, yeah. um, and you know then you do have to live by the sword and die by the sword. So for all Chris Wilder's done, which is great, which is a lot, um, they are bottom and they don't score goals. So at some point or another, it has to be the coach's fault as well as the players and you know um they've made their signings i know they spent big money on ryan brewster he's a young talent uh so it's hard to pin it on him but they're down there for a reason it's a shame but i think those three will go down sheffield united west brom Fulham.
0: yeah okay fair enough and the last one who's winning the league
1: well it's tottenham isn't it mate? obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, you never but, know. If I mean, listen, if there's ever gonna
0: if there's ever gonna be a season where Spurs win the league, it's gonna be this crazy season with COVID and with Jose's manager. So if they're ever gonna do it, it's gonna be this year.
1: I mean, it's the hardest one to call. I look at, it, I mean, Chelsea yeah. in ninth. Um, you know, there was it's it's unbelievable with the, the talented squad that they have. Um, mm. You have to look down as far as that. I mean, can Chelsea challenge for the title? I don't think so, because no. they've got a lot of problems in terms of their identity and knowing what their best eleven is and gelling the new players that have come in and all of those kind of things. Without even talking about how they fare against you know the bigger opposition, but on paper that's a squad and a team that could of course challenge for the title. we um, have mm. got your Liverpool, the champions. I think they'll come again. They've had a blip, but they're going to continue to uh, win games. It's going to be between Liverpool and Man City, mate. Man City gonna come yeah. strong. Uh I'm gonna say. uh I think. I actually think Liverpool will get it done again.
0: Yeah, I do. I'm gonna. I'm going Man City. I'm going Man City. I just think that they look to be back in the groove, and in such a bonkers year where injuries and you know bearing in mind how many games are gonna to have to be fitted in as well, you know. The intensity is going to be a real struggle for Liverpool. They keep getting muscle injuries. Um, They're not going to adapt. And I just think in such a bonkers year, actually (laughs) the, the style of football which is going to be most successful is the one which is sensible is the wrong word, but the most structured where, okay, like everything's happening. So let's just fall into what we know what to do. Let's fall back into certain patterns that we work on. Let's just sort of like just get into that sort of autopilot mode and get this done and I just think in a crazy season, those kind of teams are the most sensible or structured or whatever. They're going to be the most successful. Um, and the best at that is Manchester City. So, And they look to be back in the groove again. So I'm going to go for Manchester City.
1: It's going to go to the wire though, mate. It's going to be close. It year. will go
0: to the wire. And a, lot's, and a lot's going to happen. As you A team could get really badly hit by COVID for a few weeks and that in crucial games. So much is going to happen. So literally... Almost anything can happen. Even Arsenal could finish in the top 10. So almost anything could happen. Um, Rich,
1: that's it for now. If you enjoyed it? You're glad to be back? Brilliant, mate. Loving being back and loving this season as well.
0: Yeah, no. Um, yeah, to anyone listening, um, hopefully you're glad we're back. We're certainly... Uh, we are going to keep this as a regular thing now. Um, and I guess the message is please stay safe. Please stay well. This thing won't last forever. We are going to come to the end of it. It's near enough. But until then, stay safe, stay well, listen to our podcast and we will see you soon. Thanks. Bye.